Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Nikki LaCroce is the host and creator of the Who The Fuck podcast, which is focused on uniting people through shared stories about topics that make each guest uniquely them, events that have shaped them, career aspirations and paths, hardship, good fortune, passion and talents. In a matter of moments, Nikki and I have seen the bigger mission we share and are determined to bring a greater change to the world together one conversation at a time. Welcome, Nikki, to The Ethical Evolution. Thanks, Bindi. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. I always enjoy our chats. Yes. Now, uh, you and I have, have become besties on the other side of the world. Um, for, for those who don't know who you are, can you go ahead and tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. I am Nikki LaCroce, and I am the creator and host of Who the Fuck, a podcast designed to help create connection, build compassion, and hopefully activate meaningful change for listeners who are hearing individual stories about how people have become uniquely who they are. And that entails stories of a lot of resilience and the human spirit really just shows up in every single one of the conversations that I have. And there's just such a diverse group of guests from all walks of life and that has just become the driving force behind my own personal evolution as well. Mm, and I think this is where you and I become twinsies on the other side of the world is uh, we do a very similar thing um, when it comes to the podcasting world and, and pretty much everything else in life, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's only a little eerie, um, the similarities that we have if I take off my hat and have my glasses on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We've almost got exactly the same haircut, uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of a little bit scary. Um, 
Um, and it wasn't planned that way. It just ended yeah. up that way. So, um, and, and, and you know. The for, universe saw us and was like, this seems right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you two need to talk. Um, yeah. So you're joining us from uh, Canada. Um, for I those am. people who are going, well, where on the other side of the world are you? Um, but, you know, we stumbled across each other uh, because of our podcasts and and what we do and the mission behind them and there was so much alignment that we just went hang on a minute like you're over there doing that I'm over here doing this like what if we did something together and so here we are today and uh, our first step on this journey is is basically sharing our stories uh, through each other's podcasts and then uh, stay tuned for what's coming in the future because there's going to be more Oh, much, much more. And I've been so elated since we first spoke, Bindi, about the opportunities ahead of us. And as you mentioned, the alignment that we both felt so, I I feel pretty instantaneously because we both have this really strong desire and drive to help people become the best versions of themselves so they can contribute that to the world and create a stronger collective and really bring the humanity back to the people of the planet, right? You know, we're at a point in time where there's a lot of change and there's a lot of honestly very bad things happening in the world. And I find myself sometimes feeling really defeated by that. And then I remember the good fortune of having this podcast and being able to talk to people like yourself and the other guests that I've had on and recognize that that ratio is much, much larger Mm. than all of the really crappy people that are out there doing bad things. The problem being that those people have money and control, et cetera. But I've always said that there's power in numbers and I firmly believe that. And I feel like there are a lot of people right now who have the same type of mindset that we do. And to be able to build upon that and create more and more community that will activate more and more change feels really empowering. Mm. Yeah, I could not agree more. Now, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, right? And you know, ours are quite unique yet similar in their in their approach. Uh, but you know, there's a mission here for us. It's it's more than just a podcast. It's a movement. For you, Definitely. where did it all start? Like, where did the idea spawn from? So I had started going to therapy in 2018. and. I started going because I was feeling super unfulfilled at my corporate job. I had taken a role as a product manager at Amazon in Seattle, mostly because I wanted to move to the West Coast and it felt like the prime opportunity to do that. No pun intended on the Amazon thing. And I also feel that I needed a change in my life that was going to force me to do something drastic for myself. And so when I started going to therapy, I was dealing with a lot with the past relationship that I was in. It was very psychologically abusive. I hadn't really come to terms with that when I first moved to Seattle. And so I felt like a lot of the lack of fulfillment was due to the type of work that I was doing, which I can confirm in part is absolutely that. But when I went to therapy to talk about that, I realized that a big part of it was my purpose is to connect with people. And so for me to do that, I needed to find a way to communicate at a broader scale. Mm -hmm. I had originally started writing a blog called Who the Fuck Am I to try to actually answer that question because I was like, who who am I now that I've 
left really all the people and places that I know growing up on the uh, the East Coast in the Northeast. I've had friends all over the world, but my core group of humans is sort of clustered in the Northeast. And to take the leap of faith and go out to the West Coast um, and ultimately start challenging myself on my own beliefs, my own sense of self, and start to wonder about myself again, instead of just accepting who I was, really trying to acknowledge what were the things that I liked about myself, what were the things that I didn't like about myself, whether those were the ways that I behaved or the decisions that I was making, and start to pull that apart so I could really evaluate what I wanted to keep and what I wanted to change. And once I started doing that, I realized a blog wasn't the solution because I didn't want it to be a one-way conversation. I didn't want to just blast people with, this is my story, here's more information about me, read it if you get to it. I knew it needed to be a conversation. And you and I actually found out that we both said the same thing when we were on a call last week, where I said, I do nothing better, at the very least, nothing more than talk. So I really feel like somebody <laughs> should be paying me for it. <laughs> and to to have the opportunity and the availability with a podcast to be able to project a message so far and wide in the way the world works today is really good fortune because we have the platforms. You don't need to have a big brand to push your message out there. You need to build an audience and that can be challenging and definitely daunting. But we also have a lot of liberty to do what we want with the show. And so my first season was mostly, I think, entirely possibly people that I already knew. Mm. And then the second season became about, I'm going to interview people who I don't know. I want to talk to people that I know nothing about. And the combination of those two seasons gave me this opportunity to enter conversations without judgment in a way that I never had before. And it's not that I was particularly judgmental, but I think some of that is just embedded in who we are, where we we come in with the bias and we come in with an expectation. And it was interesting how I was able to adapt to what I was learning from people and start to apply better practices that made me a better listener, that made me a better conversationalist through those episodes, and then simultaneously helped me realize that the thread that tied it all together was the fact that we are capable of so much as individuals if we acknowledge that we need to do something to help ourselves. And it was right after losing my mom two years ago that I had said something to my dad about how I realized that doing the podcast actually really kept me afloat during covid because I was very much alone in the relationship that I was in and feeling trapped and really just stuck emotionally and also physically at that point. And what really kind of blew me away was that I didn't understand that part of the reason I probably stayed in that really bad situation for a longer time was because having the ability to connect with so many people on such a deep level through the podcast blinded me a little bit to the fact that I wasn't getting that connection at home with this relationship that I was in for such a long time. So that was a little bit of a detour as to like how this all came about, but a bit more insight into why it has also become what it's become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, wow. Like <laughs> there's so much to unpack there. Um, but 
you know, that's what my therapist says. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to a lot of people actually. Um, but uh, one of the things, you know, uh, I, I can concur exactly uh, with you, like through COVID, um, you know, instead of it becoming, whilst it was isolating, it actually became the most, uh, the most, I don't know, it was like the best time to connect with people even though we were isolated. So, you know, I found myself getting opportunities to speak with people who I normally wouldn't because they couldn't travel. They couldn't go anywhere. And so I was like, oh, so maybe I can get in your diary now. So for me, I was like, this is great because they're also isolated. They want connection. They want to talk to someone. And from there it just like it took off because I was like, all right, we're all in the same space. And it has opened up, like, you know, whilst there was so much shit that happened with COVID and it was so awful, there's been so many blessings underneath it that I don't think we recognise. Like connection, I think, has been one of the biggest things and it made us realise how important connection is to us as humans and how much community is important. Yeah, I'm sorry for um, interrupting you there, but yes, I totally agree. Connection is something that, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Bindi. We saw COVID as this isolating moment in time for a lot of reasons. We literally had to isolate ourselves. And at the same time, we were challenged to find ways to develop connections in in some capacity that we hadn't before. Yes, there was online dating. Yes, people, you know, talk to each other when they play video games, all sorts of things like that. But what you've highlighted and what I feel is really relevant and and probably the most valuable thing to your point of coming out of that experience was we recognized within each other this very visceral similarity. And I think in a way that that created a common understanding of the humanity of the situation, regardless of what your circumstance was, because that was a really... In a lot of ways, COVID was a great equalizer. Mm. In a lot of ways, it also wasn't. <clears throat> I'm not going to act like there's not a whole political undertone to that. Um, but ignoring that part for a second, at a core human level, we saw the impact on our emotional wellness. Mm. We saw the impact on our physical wellness. And we had to make the choice of how we were going to manage that or if we were going to manage mm. that. And you could tell the difference between people who were figuring it out and people who weren't. And Mm. you have to acknowledge if you don't like the way that you feel to change it. And if you feel lonely, then what can you do to help remove that sense of loneliness and replace it with a sense of connection? And it, whenever I think about connection, I often think about Brene Brown because of all of the research that she's done around belonging And I'm sure that that's the case for many people. And what I really love about the work that she does is that she highlights the facts about the value of those connections and that feeling of having community. And one of the books that I listened to while I was going through this like really substantial healing journey towards the end of COVID was What Happened to You by um, Dr. Bruce Perry Mm. and Oprah Winfrey. Did you read or listen to it? I just finished it like the week before last. Yeah. Okay. First of all, 
I talk about this book a lot because I it was so well done mm. in a way where you don't have to have experienced really severe trauma to appreciate the output of the book. If you have experienced severe trauma, you definitely get it more. Yeah. Um, like there was a lot about childhood trauma that I couldn't necessarily relate to, but coming out of an abusive relationship, there were some things that felt like they paralleled to the conversation. And the thing that I just really loved at the conclusion of the book was it is scientifically proven that human connection is the most healing thing for trauma, period. Mm. So when the entire global population is being collectively traumatized by a <laughs> pandemic, of course we need connection. That was the option we had. And so I said during that time too, how lucky are we that that didn't happen in the 90s mm. when we didn't have this type of communication? Because mm. at least now, yeah, it sucked, but we could see each other and we could talk to each other. You're in Australia, I'm in Vancouver, and we can do this. And we could have done this then. Mm. My family who lived on the other side of the country, I was able to FaceTime them. I was able to see my niece growing over the course of like the two years that I didn't get to see her. So there's this really beautiful harmony between the timing of a shitty situation and the technology that was available to help make sure that we had the connection despite that. Mm. And again, this is another example of how we're twins. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I may have told you that I've been writing this course about connected conversations um, or not. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think you have. No. You might have mentioned it like on the fly, but I'm, I'm interested to hear more go on. <laughs> so as you were saying that, I was like, oh, God, here we go. So um, I've just brought up the script that I've been writing for uh, the course and the whole purpose of it is to cultivate courageous and curious conversations. And I want to share with you this quote that I've put in the very beginning of the course that starts the whole thing. And it's from Brene Brown. Of course it is. Connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Boom. Slow clap to Brene Brown, right? <laughs> I mean, damn, it, she just knows, right? And and it's so validating to hear it in a way that is both succinct very and very articulate. And then to add the layer of her research background where it's, it's not just somebody having an opinion on something. Mm -hmm. It's an informed statement about what the reality of connection is for people. And for me, that really highlights the value of it in a way that maybe people who tend to be dismissive of that type of connection uh, could potentially start to shift their perspective. Mm. And, you know, I made a joke to one of my friends the other day talking about how when we do live streams that, you know, you always get the trolls and and the way I try to handle it is to, well, <laughs> I don't want to give too much attention to them, right? Because I don't want to fuel the fire. It's just not worth my time. But I've started to approach it from a place of kindness and trying to... Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
maybe just even a fraction of a percent makes somebody look inward a little and, mm. and ask them, you know, you know, you're here, you're trolling us. Um, first of all, I feel bad that that's what you feel is a good use of your time. And I would like you to maybe ask yourself why that's what you're doing instead of using, I'm sure you have some skill. I'm sure you have some talent. I'm sure you have some passion about something that you could use and that you could repurpose the time that you're spending projecting horrible messages to people for no good reason and go do that somewhere else. And granted, I'm sure some of these people are kids, like teenagers, right? But the, there's obviously adults too. And these people, regardless of what age you are, what that tells me is that there's something going on in your life. There is some form of connection that you are lacking that you feel the need to project that anger towards other people that you don't even know. And that also tells me that you're not connected to yourself. Mm. So what you first need to do is really ask, why is this how I want to spend my time? Why do I find this valuable? Because you must. Surely you must see something in this decision that you're making. And even if it's that you think it's funny, like, why is that what you think is funny? You know, and, and kind of, now I don't expect people to be like, oh my gosh, great question. I'm totally, you know, <laughs> I'm never going to do this again. Thanks for being so enlightening. I mean, if only, right. But if it were that easy, I feel like we'd be living in a much different world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, but I do feel like people have to sometimes hear that too. So whether it's effective or not, it's like, I don't want to just combat people because combating people creates isolation. Mm. And the goal is not to isolate. The goal is to create community and generate more kindness. And you don't have to like everybody. You don't even have to really tolerate anybody or accept everybody. But you need to be able to exist with a sense of like civility, mm. you know? Mm, absolutely. And, you know, what you've reminded me of there, I mean, that's just in a live stream element. And and I know you and your wife actually do huge um, things in TikTok. Um, so drop your handle. Go on, drop it. It's at Nick, N-I-C underscore and underscore Nick, N-I-K. <laughs> yeah. So go check him out on TikTok. Um, but, you know, that's just a live stream environment. But when we look at all of the segregate—can't speak—segregation that happens in community, um, whether it be LGBTQ, Black Lives Matter, all of those kind of things, it's the same principle, you know. Like if we just treated each other with kindness without the judgment, look at what a world we might have. And what's the benefit of the judgment is a question I often ask myself because. I do reflect on who I was when I was younger and I feel that judgment and, and that inherent bias, obviously the inherent bias is something that can be embedded in you. Just the whole concept of nature versus nurture applies in that regard. The environment that you're in, the people you're around, what you're hearing that can influence how you behave or what you think of other people. But I think about being younger and being in school and I got bullied when I was growing up and it wasn't that I didn't have friends. I always had some friend or a couple of friends. I bounced around from group to group, but I always was able to find ways to connect with people, which at the time, even though I felt this consistent sense of rejection mm. um, because I had been bullied, 
I look back on that now and I feel really lucky that I was able to connect with so many random people if I didn't have a group that I just inherently fit into because I, again, kind of like the podcast, I think that helped me survive mm. um, and, and still have more <clears throat> joy instead of isolating myself. And then we also have to look at the way that we grow up with this mindset, at least let's put it this way. I'm an eighties baby. I grew up in the nineties, early two thousands. Like that was kind of the mean girls era. Mm -hmm. And it was, people were bitchy just to be bitchy to each other. They were catty and kind of attacked each other. And that's not to say people don't do that. Now people will always, will always have people who suck and are, who are bullies, I'm sure. But I also feel like this younger generation has more emotional intelligence and has more empathy that is more outward in a lot of ways. And so there, there's a lot more acceptance of people who are in different groups because you're not just going into a situation being like, that person's not like us mm -hmm. or trying to fit in so specifically into this groove where maybe you didn't fit in. Because I think that was such a big part of my issue growing up too, is that nothing ever felt like the fit. Where mm -hmm. do I go? This isn't who I am. And so when you can't find that sense of connection to yourself, it makes it that much harder to find that sense of connection with people that will have longer term relationships in your life. That's it. And, you know, there's so, it all, I was having the same conversation with someone in the UK last night that, um, you know, there's an ignorance that some people have, you know, that, you know, they, they'll blurt something out and it'll be homophobic or it'll be racist or whatever it might be. And then you kind of go, but, why like yeah. and and do you could you just put yourself in their shoes for a moment like the the person who you might be saying that about if you could put their shoes on see what it's like for them how would it feel and do you think it's fair what you're saying that's and, a really good question too I like that perspective on yeah is it do you think that's fair because mm. that's the whole thing right hate is bred from fear the the underlying emotion that goes with hate is fear, period. Mm. Psychologically speaking, that's that's where it falls on the emotion wheel, right? And so the question becomes, what are you afraid of that makes you so hateful? Mm. And this is it. We, we fear what we don't know. But mm -hmm. to have judgment and, and just downright ignorance when we don't even know someone, man. Willful that... ignorance, right? <gasps> Willful ignorance too, because you could also always choose to educate yourself. Because I've been caught in the the threat of saying something that's unintentionally ignorant or mm. without the foresight to consider what I was saying and how that might impact somebody. And it's uncomfortable when somebody tells you that you did it. Mm. You're like, oh, that sucks. I don't want you to say that to me <laughs> because now I'm uncomfortable. But it's like I want the person who I've made feel uncomfortable to feel safe enough to tell me mm. that I did. And then I can reflect on my actions and change the way that I behave to make sure that I'm being as kind and thoughtful about what I'm saying as possible. And even when you have conflict with people, when I was younger, I used to go for the jugular. Like if I was going to fight, I was going to lash out at you verbally to a degree that was completely <laughs> unnecessary. In fact, my ex is a great example because she gaslit me a lot and what I watched happen over time was I stopped caring about how I responded verbally mm. and <clears throat> excuse me and I said all these things that are just so uncharacteristic of who I am and I think about my wife now and I'm like I couldn't ever fathom 
mm-hmm. saying some of the things that I said to you. And so I do think some of it is circumstantial, right? Like we either grow up into it or we're in a circumstance where we feel triggered and somebody fires at us and we want to fire back. And my therapist had said to me one time, you know, you just wanted to watch something burn. And I was like, that's correct. Light it up, you know? And <laughs> and then I spent that whole session talking about how I needed to control my rage. <laughs> but it's like, you know, we have these moments where we're, we're challenged with our own self-awareness and our ability to be objective about that self-awareness and decide, is this the person that I want to be? Is this how I want to show up? And is this how I want other people to see me? Mm. But I do think the first question is, do you want to be that person? Because for me, the answer is very clearly no. I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to be somebody who bludgeons people with words and walks away and acts like it didn't matter because it does matter. In fact, every time I've said something shitty to my parents growing up, to my sister, to my friends, people, whoever they are in my life, at various points in my life when there's been conflict, it's like I don't walk away from that feeling like I achieved something positive. I feel great when I walk away from a conflict that the discussion around that conflict has been productive Mm. and not aggressive. Yeah. And there's like conflict can be such a a, a useful thing in growth, in in self-awareness and growth because if you own your parts and you learn from them and, you know, accept a path forward – that can be such a, you know, it can change relationships and, and make them so much stronger if you can totally. do that. But, you know, underneath all of this, um, I know often there's, you know, the consciousness that people have and they're just not aware um, or they've got generational conditioning that they're not willing to let go of or be aware of. Um, and, you know, those kind of things can, sometimes you're just not going to change people. They're not going to change simply that's their their lot in life and they're just going, no, totally. fuck it, don't care. Um, so other people, I would like to think in 2023, we are conscious enough that we know what's coming out our mouth um, and that we have control of it to a degree. You know, it makes me want to, it, it makes me want to ask the question too, because so when we think about the way people respond to each other, uh, you had brought up, you know, whether it's something that somebody says racist, homophobic, whatever um, variety of hate that somebody says, and it is intentional, they're saying it with malice of some sort or um, willful ignorance, if not just direct hate. At what point, like at what point does that become unacceptable to society? Mm. You know, because to me, I feel that we've, we've acknowledged that there's a threshold that we're willing to just deal with. And there's not consequence for people giving other people death threats online. There's not consequence for people harassing people in person. Mm. Um, You know, there's all of these broken pieces of the system that I almost said come together, but really they fall apart at the same time. And the people who should be held accountable are never held accountable. And the people who are trying to make change and do things right tend to fall by the wayside because you just can't get enough momentum to get past that, the challenge of what's already there. The way I thought about it as those words were coming out of my mouth was you sort of see it as like the collective group of things falling apart and 
thinking of that as like a bridge that has broken in all different ways. And then being like, okay, well, how do we stack ourselves on top of each other to build a bridge to get us Mm. over this, you know, Mm. Um, and actually create something together to heal as a unified society. And, and I, coming from the States, it's really hard to see the divide be so, so stark right now in the way that people think about things. And I know a lot about U.S. history and I think a lot about just like the 60s and how grossly similar it is. And then you go back even further and it still happened. It still happened. And it's just we're not changing enough as a collective global society. And the U.S. is a microcosm of that and it gets a lot of news Mm. uh, time, you know, so you see how corrupt it is, how much it's falling apart right now in its own way. And you've still got people going, well, this is the best country on earth. We should like, it's not. Here's the thing. I would argue that nobody should be touting that title, first of all, because it's completely subjective. Yeah. And second of all, if you knew all the facts about the the United States, you probably wouldn't say that. Mm. And it's not because there aren't benefits to being there or good things about it. The same way it's not that there aren't good things about most people. And some people do shitty things, but unless you put in the work on a personal or societal level and you commit to it and you have enough people committing to it, then it will forever be in this cycle of brokenness instead of this cycle of healing. And what you said earlier is, you know, people coming to this point of recognition about themselves where you realize you have to change that. And it feels like we're all kind of doing that independently right now. There's a lot of people doing that independently and we're getting closer and closer and closer to each other being like, oh my gosh, you think that too? Me too. Okay, great. Let's like pull it all together and see what we can do with this because this is the only chance we have to salvage what's what's here right now. Mm. And I guess, you know, what, what you're saying there is, you know, where's the loudest voice coming from? For sure. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You know, uh, because... You know, if you think of all the things uh, through through our evolution that have changed uh, in terms of, like, look at just smoking, right? How how uncool that is nowadays, right? I well, just mentioned this, Bindi, like probably two days ago because my parents were mostly lifelong smokers and I was talking to one of my friends about it, her mom, who's gone through a bunch of surgeries and still smoking. It's like... Mm. This is incredible. You guys know. It's like you want the better result, but you don't want to make the change to get the better result. Mm. But, I mean, just culturally, I don't I don't know what it's like over there, but here in Australia, you, you, smoking's banned pretty much everywhere. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's not cool. And when you see people doing it, it's almost like and, – and back in the day, I used to smoke. My, my mum used to smoke. It's like now, like I couldn't even go anywhere near it, you know. It's like yeah. – um, but – like just look at the change in our attitudes towards something like that, how it's how we flip that switch from pleasure to pain, you know? And Ooh, I like that. And if we could just do that with all of these other injustices that we throw at each other and hate totally. and judgment, like if we could just put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Well, cuz it does it serve us it, on a multi-tiered point. Does it serve the person who's saying it or doing the hateful thing? No. Does it serve the person who's receiving that? No. Does it serve society when we're just embedding these people into daily life and letting them do things and run amok with their 
either bad attitudes or violent attitudes and not creating some sort of solution to the problem. And and I feel like that's my greatest point of frustration right now, especially with the U.S., is that, and I say especially with the U.S. because there are plenty of issues globally across the board. The gun violence in the United States is just abhorrent and I can't wrap my head around it and I get more and more pissed every time I think about it. And it's scary to think that I'm uncomfortable being at a grocery store. I worry about my niece and nephew Mm. being at school. Like that shouldn't be a thing that people have to think about. And so when we all just kind of turn our heads and act like the system's not corrupt and people can just do whatever they want to do and, you know, don't worry about it. That's not really a problem. It feels like we're at a point in history where you're losing traction with that mentality. Like people are like, no, it is a problem. Okay. We're not okay with this. Like we don't want to die. We don't want to watch people we love die. And we definitely don't want to support people who are going to continue to promote, whether it's violence or hate or whatever, because at the end of the day, as a species, if we break it down to like a very, very, very primitive level, shouldn't all human beings just want to survive? Like, isn't that Darwinism? Like we adapt or die, you know, like we're not adapting. <laughs> and and really, you know, if, if we get back to, again, the evolution of things um, and we go back to caveman times, could you imagine those people looking at us in today's society and going, God, they're stupid. They're shooting each other. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Right? Totally. That's hilarious. <laughs> we just want to oh survive. Gosh, I like that's a political, I feel like that's a political cartoon in the I making. know, right? <laughs> it's, it's like a cartoon. You could imagine a caveman going, why are they shooting each other? Like, yeah, I just want to survive and not get eaten by a tiger. You know? mm-hmm. and, uh, totally. And in this society today, we've got that same caveman mentality, but we've got all this technology and all this other crap in our lives. We've still got that innate caveman in us that's trying to yeah, run right. from something. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's such a profound statement, Bindi, especially because more often than not, what we are running from at an individual level is ourselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just look at people who are putting that energy outward and it's so much projection. And the hard part of resolving that in some way is you need people. I just had a conversation with a guest um, that's going to be on the show about people need to want to change. Mm-hmm. And I witnessed in my last relationship, somebody who didn't want to change. They said they did, but they weren't doing anything to reflect that statement. Mm-hmm. I came out of that situation. And because I was trying to help her so much figure out how to change and heal from her trauma, I was like, oh, cool. Like I'm set up to heal through my own trauma. So I guess that worked out. That it was a net positive at the end of the day. Um, but I was extremely committed to the decision to reevaluate my life and what I wanted from it and how I wanted to show up in the world. I could easily wake up every day and be miserable. Mm. Like I lost my mom and I went through a very violent divorce at the same time. If I wanted to hit rock bottom with like the hardest bang, I could have, and I didn't. And I credit that a lot to bring it back to the original point of the conversation. Cause I know I went down like a little bit of a bleak <laughs> rabbit hole there um, is that the people in my life that I'm connected to, whether that's friends, family, podcast guests, coworkers, like 
those people helped me save myself. Mm, Yeah. And wow. Yeah. Like just what we've talked about today, there's there's so many aha moments here. And you and I, like once we get on a call, it's like we could be here all day. Seriously. Oh, 100%. Now, in terms of the podcast, um, like what have you got in the pipeline and, and what can people expect if they tune in? Yeah, I really appreciate that question, Bindi. So this season is a really exciting one for me. This is the first time I've had a chance to get ahead of episode recording previously because I was working full-time in my tech role. It was a lot harder to kind of get things rolling and keep it moving. So I've been really consistent putting them out every um, Tuesday. And this past week, really great example. I was in a bit of a low place because it was two years after my mom's passing. And so I was like, I don't want to just put out an episode with a guest that feels inauthentic to who I am right now in this exact moment. So I was like, you know what? I promised myself I'd put an episode out. I will do a 15-minute episode of me talking about what I'm dealing with right now, and I will get that episode out later this week. And so I feel like this season is about showing up and making sure that the messages that people are hearing when they're listening are ones that are both hopeful but also insightful and informative because without the education, it's really hard to help people understand why they should change. And the whole question of who the fuck am I is to allow people to enable their own introspection, because if you aren't inherently inclined to do that, you need to be inspired to do that. And so the conversations that I have with people A lot of men actually have reached out to me for this season, which I'm really excited about because many of them want to speak about men's mental health in a variety Mm. of ways, male on male violence and those cycles and how we can break them, male isolation and needing to feel more connected to yourself, just overall the idea of toxic masculinity. So that one's really impactful because I know that my show is targeted um, or not even targeted, but um, definitely gotten more listenership from a female or non-binary audience historically. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to have those engaging conversations with male guests. So hopefully that helps draw in some attention to not just those conversations, but the others that are more vulnerable in other ways, like just so many conversations about the value of connection and the raw, authentic discussions about when you hit that low, how do you pull yourself back out of it? Because the stories of resilience, as I mentioned, being the common thread is that the circumstances that lead to that need for resilience and the actual moment of clarity where you decide you're going to step forward into who you are now and what you who you want to be and how you want to live when you prioritize yourself, those two things come together in a really organic and beautiful way where guests are creating cohesion between all of their stories, despite the various ways in which they got to this place of being able to answer, you know, that question, who the fuck am I? Like, this is who Mm. I am and here's why. Mm. Um, So it's been really engaging and interesting. A lot of conversations about fulfillment, connection, and really just doing the work for yourself because nobody else is going to do it. Oh, amen. And, you know, you would see like through hundreds of episodes that I've done that there's an underlying theme, you know, over time. Again, I keep using the word evolution because that's what this is. Um, And I love it because it's true. And, you know, it gets to the point where as a species, 
will adapt or die, but also as an individual, if you don't grow emotionally, then you are stagnant. And that's essentially like an emotional death in a way. Yeah, absolutely. But no doubt you'd be seeing themes through these conversations as well that sort of tie it all together to to make us see that we are one and that, you know, for, for me, when I ask that final question that I'm about to ask you, you know, what is the change we would like to see in the world and how do we bring it to life? What I'm starting to see is the change begins with us. It you really know? does. And, it's, it, and really it can does. start in the smallest or the largest way. We just have to start. And, and that is the theme that's like rolled through all of this. And, you know, regardless of whatever your niche is you want to see happen, it's going to start somewhere, right? Totally. And I feel really strongly in alignment with that response from you. And also to piggyback on what you're saying, I really agree that the value of our individual contributions is an important thing to acknowledge because we have to start and we can't do it alone. And we all have different gifts and skills and passions and talents. And we have to come together in a way that allows those parts to shine and to leverage those to the best of our ability so we can be as productive and efficient and effective as possible as opposed to climbing on each other's backs trying to get ahead of the other person because having worked in a corporate environment for 15 years, I mean, I went to school for film and I was like, I never want to work a desk job. I graduated in 08. I needed a job, especially because you need healthcare in the US. And that was a driving factor for me. And I got sort of trapped in the rat race that I never wanted to be part of. And now that I'm getting some of this freedom to explore where I really feel connected to my purpose and to the people that I'm able to work with through the podcast and the other, and the other ventures that I have, it gives me so much more confidence that if other people can follow their path around the things that they care about and that they want to do and that they feel a connection to, then we're going to be a much better, more unified group of individuals because your happiness Mm. will radiate and become more magnetic. And I think we need to get out of the mindset that we all just have to be a cog in the machine because for a long time, that's what it was, right? That's how capitalism really got to where it is because we just started like churning out the way things that like, this is what a company needs from you. So just go do that thing. And this is what you're going to keep doing until you don't do it anymore. And I, I feel like we've evolved beyond this conveyor belt mentality of just get on this and then go through this and do that. And da, 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 da. the other benefit of the internet and what we've achieved as a group because of the connectivity that we have is people seeing the possibility that lays before them, because now you're getting more messaging than you've ever gotten before, sometimes Mm -hmm. for better, for worse, right? But you have more visibility into your options. And if you can see what your options are and that representation is there, regardless of if it's what you do, how you are as a person, things that you want to learn, whatever the thing might be that you need to feel connected to, you now have a place where you can go and learn about it and then go on your own journey of self-discovery to figure out how you fit into that broader picture and the more that we can do all of that, the more I feel we will have a collective understanding of one another. And as I said at the start of the conversation, the compassion that we need to have to be able to grow and improve the way we live today. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, where we go 
and the direction we take is really the only limitation is us. Our mind is our only limit, you know, like today people are like starting their own businesses. They're they're doing really well and they can do it from home. They don't have to get on that corporate treadmill and they can actually make the change they want to see at home. Um, The internet Mm -hmm. has, and again, COVID again was an impetus for this that a lot of people don't realise, yeah, a lot of people lost their jobs, but a lot of people have created things that didn't exist before. You know? Yeah. And I just got goosebumps because it really, it, it's so true. We we saw this massive shift happen and we kind of got slapped in the face with it. Mm-hmm. But you look back on it and you have to be able to see the substantial impact of the the collective growth that came from that collective trauma. Like that's the only way to really describe it is we, we had to become more innovative to understand how we could manage through that and, and not only just manage through it, but come out on the other side with a sense of accomplishment and not just feeling stuck for two years. Mm, absolutely. Well, the big question's coming for you, Nick, but I've got one more thing I've got to ask you before that. If people want to get in touch with you, find out more about the podcast and learn more, where can they go? Sure. They can go to whothefck.com or they can follow me on social at whothefck underscore pod on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Yes, get on the TikTok. Uh, they have a huge following there, so go check them out. Yeah. And just drop your other uh, handle for TikTok while you're here again, just so people don't yeah. forget. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the bigger following, yeah. I'm going to be honest. Um, I, I hadn't put as much effort into the podcast one, now I'm like trying to regroup on that. But uh, the other channel where my wife, Nicole, and I are um, building our brand is Nick and Nick, and that is Nick NIC underscore and underscore Nick with a K. So um, it should be easy to find. If you find the podcast, you can find that. <laughs> yeah. And you're wishing that that handle was a lot easier than it is to, to type the and say, right? Really, yeah, the underscore <laughs> sort of put a wrench in it. It's like, I just <laughs> wish an ampersand was a possibility. <laughs> if you can't find them, just reach out. We'll, we'll push you in touch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Now, Nick... What's the change you like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? I really, I want to see people more outwardly acknowledge our shared humanity. And I believe that we can bring that to light by having open conversations with people who are both like-minded, who can inspire us and help us grow, and also with people who maybe challenge us in ways that make us uncomfortable and try to understand their perspective, whether or not we can empathize with it or agree with it isn't really the the point. Obviously, that's great if you can, but to be able to sit in the discomfort of the differences of the anger or the fear and really reach each other on a one-to-one human level I feel that can change things. I believe that the people who are struggling to find connection can, if if we can all open our minds and be willing to address the fact that we're uncomfortable in those conversations, then we can have some sort of productive output of that. And I know I just keep saying the humanity and all that, but I that's it, it's what I think about constantly. We're all human. Mm what you do, who you are in the grand scheme of your 
ethnicity, your beliefs, et cetera. If you are a good, kind human and you are understanding and accepting of other people, that will come back to you. Mm. And my therapist said something to me when I had started the podcast, and I just mentioned this to Nicole the other day, and I think it's perfect for this moment, is because I had really low self-esteem for a while, and I don't think I even understood like how significant it was and hard for me, was that the more authentic that you are, the more people will be magnetized to you. And I can't say how, like that couldn't be more true. And it's because I shed my expectations of myself in those moments where I previously felt insecure and I opened my mind to what it would mean to grow from the conversations I was having, whether or not I wanted to have them, whether or not they made me uncomfortable. How can you make the most of the conversations you have with the people that you meet and do that in a way that is intended to build compassion and kindness? Mm, yes. Oh, I could, there, there's a whole other podcast here, like just everything you're saying. I mean, saying. I know, that's why you're coming online. <laughs> <sighs> yes. So, <laughs> so stay tuned for that. I mean, oh, Nikki, um, you, like, <laughs> as you were talking, I, I've been hypnotized by the rainbow ray of light behind you. You're like Madonna and the ray of light. Really, you are. Um, as For those who can't see, um, as Nikki talks, she's got this rainbow strip light behind her that's <laughs> audio activated. So it goes in time with her voice. Um, so I've been watching those little rainbows scatter across the screen <laughs> and it's been hypnotizing. Um, but it really is fitting for someone like Nikki because she is a ray of light. She certainly <laughs> So thanks so much, Bindi. I really appreciate that. I also, (laughs) it's also just, it's so ridiculous that I can't change it. Like I feel like it needs to be this way now. (laughs) It's, it's set in stone. It has to stay that way now. It is what it is. (laughs) Exactly. Bindi, it's been such a real pleasure chatting with you and having a conversation like this. I know we've had some really great chats separate of the podcast, but it's really, it feels really exciting and fun to be able to share the mic with you too. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And thank you for being the ray of light on the ethical evolution. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different
type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical wonderful wonderful city of the city of angels. My IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid.